Amen. How many agree with that? Thank God there is strength in the Lord. Where else can we go? And who else can we turn to in this day and age in which we're living? I'm so glad that there is strength in the Lord, not my strength, not your strength, not anybody's strength, but there's strength in the Lord. There are enemies in this country that are trying to bury us. Trying to bury everything that America stood for years ago. But by the grace of God, if we pull our strength from God, he'll help us dig our way out. How many believe that? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn to Genesis, the 26th chapter. I'm going to read three verses. Genesis 26. It's the first book in the Bible. And there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham and Isaac, uh, Abraham, period. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. That, that was the first mistake. The Philistines, they had been fighting God ever since they were born. And the Philistines are still alive today. And they're still fighting God. And so Isaac, he goes to the king of the Philistines, and the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. If we can bring ourselves around to doing what God tells us to do. For example, if you're lost and you're here today, you can get saved. And, you're, and if you're away from God, you can get right with God. And if you're right with God, you'll get encouraged by God. Hopefully by the time that you leave this service. Notice something about the text. When famine comes, and they'll come, not only literal famines, but spiritual famines, seems like the tendency of God's people is to run back into Egypt, to run back into the world, to try to get under some earthly or worldly source and try to deal with the famine. There's no way that we can deal with the famine. 
especially the famine of hearing words God, God's word. There's no way that we can get around trying to pull ourselves up with our own bootstraps. We can only find our strength and our way out of this situation in the Lord. Question. Are you in the place where God wants you to be? I'm talking about spiritually. Are you in the place where God wants you to be? God told Isaac, get out of the Philistine country and go where I tell you to go. Stay away from Egypt. Bringing it up today, stay away from the world. Stay away from all the things that the world is offering and all the things the world's promising. One thing they promise every day is freedom. Freedom for our youth, freedom for this one, freedom for that one. It's not freedom at all. It ends up being bondage and misery. So it's a question that you need to answer in your own mind. Where are you spiritually? Where are you with God? Is God a priority in your life? Or is he just like a spare tire in the trunk and you pull him out when the doctor tells you there was a bad report? Where are we spiritually? It's a good question to dwell on. And there's a good reason for that. God wants to bless every one of us. Not saying there won't be battles, there won't be struggles. Not saying everything that happens to you is going to be good. The only thing the Bible says about that, all things work together for good to them that love God. If you love God, you can tunnel through anything that this world throws at you. You with me? And not only will he bless you, He will also multiply your blessings. He will reward you. There's no greater thrill in all the world than to feel God's hand, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of humanity, nothing greater than to know that God's hand is on your life. That's where we need to go today. That's where we need to put ourselves today when we look around at what's happening to America the beautiful, much less what's already happened to all the nations of the world. Look at verses 12 through 14. Let's just jump up there. Then Isaac showed, uh, sowed in the land and received in the land uh, year and hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. The Philistines envied him.
What's going on here? The Philistines, when they saw how God was blessing Isaac and his family, they got jealous. They envied him. And they were jealous of him. And then they started to vent their anger towards him. You see, when God starts to bless a home, a marriage, an individual, a country, when God starts to bless, there are other things that come with it that are not so comforting. Trouble comes. Trouble comes to every saint. It comes into every congregation. It comes into every marriage. It comes into every nation that starts to try to live for God, and trouble comes. And what you and I need to know is when it comes, we need to know where our strength is. It's not in politics. It's not in money. It's not in wealth. It's not in possession. Our strength is in the Lord and the Lord only. What I'm trying to say is the Cain spirit. You know the story. Cain got jealous over his brother because God was having favor with his brother. And he, 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 he raised up like the Philistines. And he killed his brother because he was jealous, because God was blessing. Why do you think we're becoming the target, this country, of almost most of the countries in the world? They're trying to destroy the religious experiment that God wanted to start in every country. But thank God our forefathers had enough sense to build upon a solid foundation the Word of God. Amen. And in verse 15 tells us how the Philistines filled with sand all the wells that Isaac's father, Abraham, had dug. Those wells were dug to sustain, to carry, and to carry on a covenant, a spiritual heritage, to give life to others. And the Philistines, they're at it again. And they're at it again, hot and heavy, in America. The same thing is happening today. Those wells of living water that were dug by our forefathers, those godly principles and commandments that our forefathers adhered to and built our constitution upon are now trying to be stopped up. They're trying to stop our wells with the sands of the earth. But I've got a message for God's enemies. You can't bury the truth 
You can't bury the message of hope. You can't stop God from blessing his people with living waters. Amen? Because God's always going to have a people. God's always going to have a people. If they keep obeying, they keep walking in the Spirit, they keep trusting God, they keep loving God, God is always going to have a people, and those people will be the apple of God's eye. So the Philistines had stopped the wells and filled them with earth. But take a peek at verse 18. The scripture said, And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of his father Abraham. Verse 19. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. Verse 21, and they digged another well and strove for that also. Verse 22, and he removed from thence and digged another well. Verse 25, Isaac built an altar and he called upon the name of the Lord and his servants digged the well. And it came to pass, Isaac's servants came and said, in verse 32, we have digged another well and we have found water. What's the Bible telling us? That you and I can never stop digging into the things of God. If there's one thing we've got to do today is we've got to keep our wells flowing with living water. Amen. Jesus told the woman at the well, Whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but be a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And if you drink the well that Jesus offers... You'll never have to worry about yourself getting stopped up with the earthly things. I like what Jesus said in John 7. He that believeth in me, he that keeps believing in me, he that keeps continuing with me, as the scripture saith, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. I want to read something to you I heard last week. Some of you may know Jason Whitlock on the Blaze podcast. He said it well. The left are planting seed that the American experiment is a failure and the Constitution needs to be rewritten and they're using race as their disguise. How many times have you heard in the last umpteen months white supremacism? Somebody's trying to convey a message. They're trying to blame us today for what happened a couple hundred years ago and beyond. I wasn't there. I didn't have anything to do with it. But they're trying to convince people because they're trying to bring America down. That's their agenda here. They're not hiding it. They want you to believe America is a failure in their eyes because the outcome doesn't meet their demographics of quotas to bait us into race wars and distract us from attacks upon. What are they after? What they're after in this country today is God. They're after you. They're after me. They're after the gospel. They're after spiritual churches. They're after people who love God and obey God. That's what they're after. 
They're after Christianity. They're after America because it was founded on godly principles. This country was founded on biblical principles. Whitlock said, period, end of story. The use, the USA is a biblical story. And oh, it is, and thank God for it. And that's why we're so blessed today. Because it started out with God. And it has been a success, but there are people hostile to God who want to end this biblical experience. But America is still, thank God, with all of its problems, but it's tottering, but still the best place in the world to live. That's what all these lib talk shows and medias, etc. are doing, and they're being paid to do it. The gods that they are worshiping today are secularism, humanism, wokeism, uh, socialism, diversity, equality, inclusion, and their biggest god they're worshiping is not only inclusion, it's confusion. The dirt and the dung and the debris of this world has stopped the flow of that living water in many a Christian's life. That's why I asked you, where are you? Where are you spiritually? Are you on fire for God? Is God the top priority? Is worship a top priority? Is praying to God a top priority? Is learning about God a top priority? Where is America spiritually? Half this country is so dumbed down, they don't even know what spirituality or God is all about. Their, their, their idea of God is so far removed. They look at God like he's a Santa Claus. Think about it. It's hard to tell what you find in a well. Every now and then, the wells need to be cleaned out. Amen? Every once in a while, you may find a dead possum or a raccoon. So you have to clean your wells out. Don't let some slimy trick of the devil, hear me now. We know we need to know where we are spiritually and we need to make sure that these wells where out of our belly flows living waters. When we met Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost came and took up their abode in these bodies. And because we have the Trinity in our body, we need to make sure that these bodies are clean. And don't let some slimy trick of the devil or carnal act of the flesh or some circumstance come along or some dumb attitude stop up 
your well. Keep the skunks and the possums out of your wells so that God can continue to use us and bless us. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 7, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. God wants you and I to perfect our holiness, our righteousness with God, and he wants us to do it with a reverence and a fear. A fear of God. You know, it sounds to me like Paul was calling for a well cleaning. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 12:1, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, listen, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Another good, well-cleansing text. What about Philippians 2.12? Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What a great, well-cleansing text. Notice something else about this text. Paul had a powerful influence upon other men. Paul's presence in their lives almost seemed to be the driving force in their, in their salvation. So as he made preparation to leave the young church, listen to what he said to the Philistines. But now they had to learn how to do it themselves. And like every Christian, they had to learn how to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. Don't let no religion out there tell you, you just sit down, Jesus is going to do it all for you. God ordained for human responsibility. We're laborers together with God. It's not a one-way street. You and I have to work together. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Amen. It's our responsibility to keep our wells clean. That means we got to watch what we do. We got to watch what we say. We got to watch what we watch. Be careful to watch what we watch. We've got to be careful what we hear. We've got to be careful about this. Be careful of that. Why? Because there are Philistines all around us. They're wanting to fill your well with dirt. Dirty dirt. I don't know a whole lot about wells, but in in those days... They had to dig their wells. They didn't have these big machines and drills. They had to dig their own wells. Did you ever try to dig into the sand? It's work. 
work out your own salvation. We are laborers together with God. There are people out here that are that, that, that they just want to sit down in a rocking chair and let Jesus take them to heaven. And I hope they get there, but it don't look good. And if there was ever a time we needed to keep our wells clean, it's in this culture. In this culture where they're doing everything evil, perverted, you know all about it. What I'm saying is we have to keep digging, we have to keep cleaning, we have to keep removing the dirt and debris out of this, of this world, out of our lives. So let me give, some, give you some wells that I believe we have to redig in our churches and in our personal lives. We need to dig the well, and we've completely let this well, well fill up with dirt. We need to get back to an old-fashioned fear of God. America has lost the fear of God. We see it in the slaughter of babies in the womb. We see it in the promotion of legalization, pornographic filth, uh, all kinds of abominable lifestyles, and the dismantling of Christian values. In Plains, Texas, they, they had the drag queens come in, and they did all kinds of raw and ungodly and filthy things in front of the kids that were there. And then they promised to give all the kids a, a, a gift for coming. Sex toys. That's why you and I need to keep our wells clean. Because if our wells don't stay clean, we don't get the strength that we need from heaven to survive. We see it in rebellion against the constituted authorities. We see it in the irresponsibility towards the sacred institutions of marriage. We see it in the crimes against the innocent. We're in the trouble we're in because we lost our fear of God. We see the lack of the fear of God in our governing bodies. Suffice it to say, barring divine intervention, we are on a slippery slope. The point is this. The absence of the fear of God will make a child of God do things they ought not to do. Psalms 36.1, David says, There is no fear of God in the heart of the wicked. Have you seen that? Can you sense that? When you hear them talk, when you hear them try to convince us what they believe, when you start to see and discern and understand what they're trying to do to our children in this country, trying to do to everything sacred in this country, there's no fear of God in the wicked. But all oh, that days are coming. And a lot of Christians are getting the feeling that it's coming soon. You see, here's a great text. The Lord loveth who he chasteneth, and he scourgeth every one, every son, daughter that he receives. 
And if you be without chastisement, then you're illegitimate, illegitimate, and not sons. What's the Bible telling us? Every once in a while, God is going to take every one of us to the woodshed. Every once in a while, we need a good spanking or a good warning or a good loving. Let me give you another well to dig. We need to dig the well of our first love. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail here. Just trust the Holy Spirit to talk to your heart. I was saved 56 years ago in April 1966, and I fell in love with the Lord when he saved me. And when he saved me, I was a mess. And I was between tours, being in Fort Bliss, Texas, in the U.S. Army, and going to Korea. And an act of God intervened. I didn't know anything about it until I looked back. When I was in El Paso, Texas, Sergeant Price called me in. He said, Anthony, you came down on a levee as light weapons infantryman front lines Vietnam. But I can send you. You've got to go overseas, but I can send you to Korea. And not the providence of God ordained that move in my life. I would never have ended up in Newark because it was on the other side of the world that God began to school me and I listened to tape after tape after tape after tape for almost a year and a half. And I remember talking to this Wayne Barth guy I met. And he was in the day room and he had his little Bible out. And, and me and Nordstrom, what a pair. He, he's, he's a Lutheran and I'm a Presbyterian. We cornered this guy the next day. And I said, I noticed you was witnessing to, to some GIs. We just became Christians ourselves. I said, are you Protestant? No. Are you, oh, you're a Catholic? No. Well, then you're a Jew. Yes and no. But I became acquainted. Now, I'm just speaking of the title. Understand me. We're very understandable. There's all kinds of religions out here all kinds of man-made religions, all kinds of outfits out here, and God's people are in all of those systems because they only know and only see what a man sees. But Wayne showed us the need to come out of organized religion. I'm not saying they're not doing a good job. They're not good people. There's a lot of people. That's why the Bible says, come out of her, my people. And that's when I heard about Sherm. Sherm, I heard you singing. 
I heard Cummins singing, Brother Cummins. I heard Brother Wilson preaching. I heard Brother Bar. I heard all these guys blazing the trail. And I'm telling you, it inspired me. I was there in the barracks, and these guys were all going out, jumping into the hooches, marrying these Koreans, bringing them back. Then they're divorced. I was filling out their papers. God will take care of us. I remember the first time I met my wife in 1968. I'll never forget that moment. She was standing next to the piano on 6th and Locust Street during an altar call. She was beautiful. My knees begin to knock. And I thought, oh, she's got to be married. And I was standing there with Jack Wenzel. I said, Jack, who's that over there? Is she married? He said, no, she don't even like men. I said, now that's a challenge. Because <laughs> I had hair then. So when I got my paycheck, I told her, I don't have anybody to help me spend my money. Do you want to help me? It's a good line, kids. Folks, that was 54 years ago. And kids, she's still helping me to spend my money. Remember how it was when you got saved? How is it now? I can tell you this. It wasn't God that moved away from you. It was you or me or he or she that moved away from God. We need to redig the well of our first love. We need to stay in love with Jesus. That's why Jude said in 122, Jude said, keep yourself in the love of God. That's that human cooperation and responsibility. You and I need to keep ourselves in the love of God. That, does, that means you can't do whatever you want to do. You belong to God. You're bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. My life's not my own. And people running all over our country saying, it's my body and I can do what I want to. God never gave anybody permission to kill another person, much less an infant who don't have a chance. We need to redig the cry of our heart unto God. God told Isaiah, God told Isaiah, go, go, go to King Hezekiah and tell him, tell him that he's going to die. 
and not live. How'd you like to get a message like that from God? What would you do if a prophet come to you and said, God told me to tell you you're going to die, get your house in order. You're going to do exactly what Hezekiah did. He turned his face towards the wall and he prayed and he cried unto the Lord. When's the last time? I'm just digging, okay? I'm just digging a well. I'm not throwing stones. I'm just digging. But when's the last time you got away from all the noise long enough to be still and know that God, know that God is there? And you cried out unto God. And I know you people that have kids, you probably know what I'm talking about. Because you're so fearful of what could happen to our kids. They're so vulnerable. The fruit, the evil fruit is hanging low today. They can get their hands and their minds into anything. And the Bible said, Hezekiah turned his face towards the wall and he prayed and he cried unto the Lord. And before Isaiah could get back to the outer court, God said, go back to Hezekiah and give him another message. Tell the king, I heard his prayers, I've seen his tears, and I'm going to add 15 years to his life. What's God want to see? He wants to hear your cry, and he wants to see a tear once in a while. He wants to know that this thing called life can really get you down. He wants to know that you really do love souls. God changed his mind in a minute. What concerns me in America, and I'm going to wrap it up. What concerns me in America today and you probably can understand it, we are displaying emotions of anger and hardness over all the things we're seeing in America, all, all the bad decisions and leadership going on in America, which is understandable. But here's what I want to warn you about. I've even talked to myself about it. It's a distraction. It's a distraction to believers who ought to be crying out to God for intervention, but our moods are in such a state of anger and frustration over the conditions that are going on in our country, we're losing a lot of time crying out to, to God. Most of the time, we're angry and frustrated and aggravated. And you can't bring that mood into the closet. You can't even get in the mood. And let me give you a scriptural proof of what I'm saying. Jesus was just days away from his crucifixion. And he come out on the Mount of Olives, he sat down, 
And he broke his heart and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft I would have gathered you as a hand does her brew, but ye would not. That's the attitude and the frame of mind that we must live in. Let this mind of Christ be in you. Maybe that's why we don't weep anymore. We're always mad at the politicians. How long has it been since we found a quiet place, bent a knee and bowed a head and shed a tear over something in our lives or somebody that's lost or something that is breaking our hearts God help us, God help us to get into the closet and shut the door to all of that out there so we can have a quality moment with God. Lastly, we need to redig the well of fixed commitments. I'm afraid our generations are losing the value of commitments. Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter 2. Jesus, when he was reviled, now listen to this, he reviled not. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. I know as a pastor, and you know also, and we all know, it's not easy turning our hurts and our injustices over to God. But listen, it's a lot better than brooding over them for months and years. It's like a malignancy eating you alive. Somebody cuts you off, somebody pulls out in front of you, somebody does something, somebody lies about you, somebody does this to you, somebody flips you the bird. You can't let a spirit of revenge get into your heart. When Jesus was reviled, spit on, punched, smacked, when he had a blindfold on, jammed the thorn of crown of thorns down in his head, and blood started coming out everywhere, he didn't revile back. And when he suffered, When somebody did him in, he didn't threaten to get him back. He did what is hard to do for us, and he turned it all over to a God 
of righteousness. A God who was going to judge righteously. Not one sinner, not one communist, not one uh, drug character, not one anybody is going to get by. Your only time to get by is when you're alive. As a tree falls, so shall it lie. If you don't get the house clean and the well emptied, you're going to have a whole eternity to regret it. Better than brooding. We've got military men all over the world that are convicted about the American cause of freedom and they are willing to give up their lives for it and yet many believers can't serve God faithfully for six months without having to dig again those living waters. Does it bother you? Does it bother me? When we know we're not doing our best for God? Does it bother you when Christianity is being infiltrated by the world's culture and ways? Doesn't it bother you when you see the church's apathy and lukewarmness? Sometimes I think people just don't care if their wells are barely producing living water. To get a well flowing again, they had to dig it out. It was hard work. You know why? You know why they went through the hard work? Because if you didn't dig your well out, it was a matter of life or death. And our souls are worth more than this whole world. And they're much more valuable and much more important that we keep our wells clean. When Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Sister Brenda, Brother Sherm, you can come on. When Jesus saw the multitudes without a shepherd, without a source of strength to pull from, the Bible said he was moved with compassion. When I see what's happening to kids in this country, it ought to move us. It ought to move us and affect us deeply. I don't even have kids. And I see what's happening to our kids and these stupid mothers and fathers sitting there and taking them to all these trans shows. Need your head examined. No, you just need plain slap. You need to wake up. 
And our kids are learning about sex and all kinds of things you don't know about right here in Newark now. And you ought to get off the chair and find out what kind of literature, what kind of uh, uh, agenda, and what kind of literature and books they're, they're trying to teach your kids out of in this city. If you don't stand up, all good people have to do to fail is just shut up and say nothing. That's exactly what they want you to do. Because iniquity abounds. You know what's happening because iniquity is abounding? We're all being desensitized and hardened. And you know what's dangerous? We're getting used. We're getting comfortable with 60 million babies being aborted since Roe versus Wade and now still counting. The Bible warns, I'm closing, in 2 Peter, this righteous man Lot, dwelling in Sodom, was vexed, greatly worn out, and distressed by the deeds of the wicked around him, and tortured his righteous soul every day with what he saw and heard among the ungodly. It, is, it, it, will, it will affect you. Mark it down. If you're going to stand for God... You're going to have to dig and dig deeply. You're going to have to dig deep from just to keep yourselves from being discouraged and angered. But don't ever give up. Keep digging, keep digging, keep redigging. Keep your heart tender. Keep crying out to God for the lost. Those in the midst of darkness and hardness, maintain your fear of God. Don't let the culture dumb you down. Maintain your discernment to know the difference between right and wrong. Now I'm through. I've done what God told me to do. And I'm going to close with this. Just something that came to my mind as I was studying. The modern church is undergoing a revolution in worship, and we all know that. They're undercoming a revolution in worship styles and a softer presentation of the gospel. They're compromising. Why? Because they want to import and bring the world into their midst. And this is what I thought. That little thing going on, undergoing this revolution of changing worship styles and a softer presentation of the gospel, I brought it from the spiritual into the secular. And it parallels in my mind when we open our borders to illegals without screening their morals and intentions, 
just as long as they give their vote instead of their tithe. And in both cases, the quality of Christianity and the quality of democracy are being dangerously weakened. And so, they want to join the fun. The fun churches. And cash in on the freebies of American government. Just to end their emotional pain. But listen. Strong wells of living waters only come when the heart cries out for deliverance from sin. Ain't nothing going to stop this until we cry out unto God, God, I'm not where I need to be. I sit in church Sunday after Sunday and I'm reminded that I'm falling short. The Word of God digs around me faithfully and lovingly. And yet we keep hearing but not doing. Let's take a few moments. Let's take a few moments, a minute, whatever, church, to dig a little deeper. Before Jesus returns to take us home. What if Jesus split the clouds in 30 seconds? You ain't going to have time for nothing. We're going to be jerked out of our pews wherever we are. And in a moment, in an instant, we're going to rise. And we which are alive and remain are going to follow all the graves that open. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And we'll be looking at God in the face and we'll be looking at the judgment one way or the other. Somebody said, why are you bearing down? Because I sense and I've got a fearful sense that Jesus is near. You can't see what we're seeing in America and think that everything is hunky-dory. And the greatest offense is what they're doing to our babies. You think you got problems? You go through a little this, a little that. We all got problems, but we don't have problems like we're going to have if we're not ready to meet God. Man, that's a big problem. That's why I'm pushing. 35 years, I'm running out of gas. And I don't know when God's going to send me out, but I want to go out in a blaze of glory. I want to go out fighting the devil. I want to go out, go out knowing that I'm trying to do my best. And you know what else? I want every one of you to go with me. So let's take a moment, huh? Let's take a moment and talk to the Lord. 
ask the Lord, Lord, do I need to dig a little deeper? And whatever the Lord tells you to do, do it. Would you like to stand, please? God bless you as we sing. You've been a great audience. You always are good listeners. Page 146. 146. 146. I hear this fountain voice that calls me, Lord, to thee. For cleansing in thy precious blood.